0: I'm glad that Gordon gave the testimony that he did here this afternoon because uh, it fits really well with uh, some of the thoughts I want to have a look at just to do with um, the evidence of God uh, being within a person. Because uh, that is something that, um, you know, I suppose a lot of people in our world today have a lot of doubt about. Um, For those who've experienced as we heard being born again of water and of the spirit well then there's no doubt but for people that haven't um there's a lot of doubt and um you know as much as uh, today the theory of evolution is um is presented pretty strongly every way we look as uh as being um proven science there's still a lot of people um with curiosity um you know even even maybe people that um you know, would, I guess, vocally say that, uh, you know, we, we evolved and, and, and all of that story inside, there's still a part of people that, that's not quite sure with it. And, um, people search out all kinds of things. Um, and, and Gordon mentioned a bit of his own search in the beginning there. And, um, there is no shortage in our world of people. Uh, who've written books on spirituality or who claim to be or to have a spiritual authority. And, um, you know, if, if you have a bit of a look, even just at what are the top 50, uh, spiritual books in the world, the, <laughs> it's funny. The Bible doesn't even get a mention. It doesn't even come up. It doesn't get a hit. And, um, and maybe there are, um, authorities on spiritual matters. Um, but the Bible actually teaches, uh, not to just believe everything. And I, and I, and I want to have a look at that just in first John chapter four, if you have a Bible there with you, that because something, uh, claims to be of God or of a spiritual power that we don't automatically believe. And, and, you know, Gordon was saying in his testimony about wanting to go away and just really spend time uh, himself with with his bible and and with the experience of praying in other tongues with the holy ghost and and find for himself and uh, we just read in first john chapter 4 um verse 1 it says beloved believe not so i, I said that quickly let's give you time to get there first john chapter 4 and verse 1 um beloved believe not every spirit but try the spirits whether they are of god because many false prophets are gone out into the world Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is uh, is come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, or in place of, instead of Christ, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is, uh, in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And, um, it's, it tells us there that for a start, we don't believe every spirit, every uh, person, every book that claims to have spiritual authority, but that we believe the one that says that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh and not just simply says it, but confesses The same thing, the same message, the same uh, teaching and instruction of the gospel that unless we're born of water and of the spirit, we won't see or enter the kingdom of God. We won't comprehend it and we won't certainly won't enter into it when our time of a departure of our natural life comes. That's uh, only the beginning. Of course, we've got to continue to be led by that spirit. So there is a spirit of, uh, there's a spirit of truth. Actually, we'll keep reading. It says in verse 5, if you're still there, it says, They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God, and he that heareth us, um he, uh, sorry, we are of God, and he knoweth, I'll get that right, he that knoweth God heareth us. But he that is not of God heareth not, not us, whereby know we the spirit of truth, and the spirit of error so there is a spirit of of truth by god's spirit but there's also a spirit of error in spiritual things i want to have a look um back to the book of uh, second thessalonians second thessalonians uh, chapter 2 and i suppose this goes uh, against popular teaching of um of what many might think is religion in the world today, where in, in one way people want to join hands and say that, uh, it's, it's all the same, that we all believe in God together and ultimately it all leads to the same thing. And yet, um, the Bible teaches something quite different. Um, just, uh, yeah, second Thessalonians chapter two, uh, verse one. So written to the church here, it says, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus, Christ, And by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in your minds, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, uh, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. It says, And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. Now there's a lot of, um, I guess there's a lot of religions in our world and there's a lot of, uh, of faiths and so on. And, and maybe we could put, um, maybe there's a few things that come to mind, but, um, we know that, uh, the Pope, uh, certainly, of the Roman Catholic system is certainly happy to be, to be worshipped by men, and to be put into a position of being uh, the vicar to the Son of God or in place of the Son of God on the earth. And, um, well, some people don't believe that, but uh, again, that's a whole nother talk and a whole other story. But if you if you have a look at uh, the Vatican, the Roman Catholic system, um, you know, not to pick on the individuals, but the system itself. It certainly fits the description. Just in verse 5, Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know uh, what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. It's a bit of a tongue twister, I suppose. And it goes on and says, And when and then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume, with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the work of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they shall, they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Pretty heavy sort of a passage, I suppose. But what Paul is highlighting here is that there is uh, not every spirit, not every faith, every belief is of the truth. That there are things and systems set up in this world that put themselves in place of the truth in place of the truth of the gospel and um you know that to, to be religious to have a belief in god or to attend church um is not enough if that's all it is that there's actually uh, again as we heard in testimony that there has to be the experience that jesus christ spoke of of being born again of water and of the spirit and uh, and to go on walking in that and i suppose um what we believe and and what we choose to do with our life it really it really matters um because a lot of people i suppose that you know they they want to have maybe a foot in both camps or maybe have a, a foot in a few different things just to try and cover off on a few bases or sort of hope that you know when it comes to the end of our days whenever that is that Somehow we'll have done enough, or that we'll have done it right. It's a bit of a formulation, maybe of our own thinking and some other things we picked up along the way. But but God and God actually points out and says there's actually a very clear specific path, and the reason it's so important and it matters is that the the result of our choice goes beyond this life, and that's that's the whole thing. God is trying to open all of our eyes to continually. That our choice has an eternal consequence, and even you know um, we might have some people watching online here today over the stream and so on. And you know even at this point, you might you might believe that's not the case for our life. And God is always trying to help us to. Uh, he wants to open our eyes. He wants us to see uh, that this is the case. That He's got a very specific path and a plan. And that it will come to pass regardless of, of what um, people believe collectively or individually, his plan will come to pass. And it really brings up the question of, do we know, do we know where we're going? And, um, which direction that we're personally uh, heading in ourselves. And the test really of that is, is can we describe clearly what happens to us? After we die now, we know the Bible says we we see through a glass darkly, so we don't know all the detail specifically, but God has given enough instruction about what happens, and if we say yes, we do know what happens, then do we have the experience and again, Gordon spoke about that about the experience of the Holy Ghosts to know that he can trust and believe the things that the Bible tells you and and the things that God has said. Because if we don't know what happens to us after we die, and if we have no evidence of it, then really we don't know where we're going. And um, it's quite incredible because there's so many things in life that we have to do on a day-to-day basis where we have to know where we're going or we just end up lost even in a natural sense. Yet when it comes to people's natural lives, they find maybe those two questions the hardest ones to answer, yet people go through life... Not not knowing the answer to that, and think, well, I guess it'll just be okay when that time comes, and the whole purpose of us being on uh, this earth is to find uh, that answer. Um, and just just about knowing where we're going, I um I thought it would be a good idea um at the beginning of this year. I I actually went down to um you know the dolphin dolphin sanctuary at um. Near the Torrens Island power station there, Has anyone ever been in there? And, I, and they hire out kayaks and, and things in there and I did a bit of kayaking and I thought, oh, that's actually really enjoyable. And so I, um, a lot long after that, I went and bought my own. I just bought a cheap one off Gumtree and I thought I'll get out and do a bit myself. And, um, being a bit inexperienced, I, uh, I paddled a fair way to begin with and I ended up, um, you know having this great paddle I thought I'll I'll be okay and I was like what I didn't realize is I didn't really look at the tides or what the currents were doing so all all, all the you know I didn't tell anyone where I was going <laughs> everything that you're not supposed to do I think I ticked all the boxes beautifully and um so I was actually going uh, with the current on the way out and I was having a great time and I turned around to come back and I was like woof This current is actually very strong so much so that I was almost paddling as hard as I could forwards and I was almost going backwards. And there was no way to actually, um, no way to actually go any other way. The only way back for me was to paddle. So what took me half an hour to get somewhere probably took me, um, about two hours to get back. And I was getting exhausted to the point where panic sets in where you're like, if I, if I can't do this, I'm going to be in trouble. And what made it worse is I was in mangroves and every entry looks the same and I thought I'd taken good attention to where I was going. And so the story is I made it back alive and I came back very humble and with a new respect for kayaking and going through mangroves. But the illustration is that if we don't know where we're going, we end up can end up in a lot of trouble. And God says this life is going to be the same, that don't, don't take it for granted that we just, on autopilot, that we will end up where we think we're going to end up. Um, John chapter 14. Turn back with me to John 14. How do we have this evidence inside of us? We know Jesus says in in, in, in verse 6, he says, Jesus saith unto him, this is uh, unto Thomas, oh, I am the way, the truth, and the life and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is no other access point to the Creator but through Jesus Christ. And down in verse 20, the evidence, the evidence of God within. God said he's not going to make it ambiguous, but he says at that day, and he's talking about, I'll start back in verse verse 16, and he says, and I will pray the Father, this is Jesus Christ, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, that there would be evidence. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knoweth him, but um, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. And I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you, and yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall also live. And at that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And it says, he that keepeth, as he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loves me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. So God said, there'll be evidence. Um, and I suppose, so that's the initial part of it that we've got to receive God's spirit. We've got to have the evidence and and we've heard we will speak in another tongue. People claim, all other kinds of evidence. But when we go through the word of God, when the initial experience always was that when new life came, when spiritual birth came, you could hear the voice thereof. Just like the parallel of a natural birth coming into this life, when a baby is born into this world, the doctors, the people around, they want to hear the sound of a baby. They want to hear it breathing. They want to hear it make noise. Our own son, when he when he was born, he... uh, had a few complications and he wasn't making good sounds when he was born. I had to actually take him for a few days and so on. And it was all—I'm uh, actually thankful that we were first-time parents and didn't really know all the details of what should and shouldn't happen. I think if we knew it all, we might have been a bit more panicked than what we were. But it's so important—the breath of life. And uh, when we're born spiritually, we'll hear the sound. We will speak in other tongues. But there's other things. There's Evidence then that goes on in our life and in the lives of God's people in his church of, uh, well, what's, how do we tell that God is working in a person or how do we tell that God is working in his people in a, in a, in a church that claims to uphold the things of God? How do we tell? And again, there's, there's very clear measures given. Just, um, if you want to go to the book of Galatians with me, uh, in chapter five, the evidence of the spirit not within someone's life or not being exercised versus the evidence that it is there and being used. We read um, in verse 16, it says, This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would. God said there will be a battle even when we have his spirit within us that uh our natural nature that says I can do whatever I want to do and however I like to do it will war against the spirit of God within us. That uh where we're bought with a price, where we don't belong to ourselves but we're purchased by the, the blood of Jesus Christ. And it goes on and says... um, But if you are led of the Spirit, you are not under the law or under the the law of sin. Now, the the works of the flesh are manifest or or made known or easy to be able to tell when something's not of God but it's just coming from natural man. He says, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness or just an unbridled lust and you know these things in our world have never been more prominent or more accessible unfortunately in our world than they've ever been before and um it's it's everywhere and it takes spiritual strength and a, and a close relationship with god to uh to not get drawn into those things and to overcome those things because they are promoted in our world everywhere as just no big deal, and something good, fun to be part of. It goes on, and it talks about idolatry, anything that is placed up as being more important and and having more value than God Himself. Witchcraft, which I believe we get the word pharmakia from, which is you know pharmaceuticals and and you know drug taking to be able to alter states of mind, and and how many um people who claim to have a spiritual authority. Uh, maybe did did their what they 've written or what they 've said stemmed out of being on hallucinogenic drugs and so on there's lots of it, it talks about hatred and variance emulations wrath, strife and seditions and heresies envyings murders drunkenness you know um, alcohol's a big one alcohol's something else that has so much of a grip on our society as a you know for so many people as a coping mechanism but it's, uh, it, it, in a large part, the fruit of it is that it ruins people's lives. Um, and it goes on and says, Revelling's which such like of the which I tell you before and as I've told you in the times past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. People that habitually that is their lifestyle. And you know, maybe there's um, a number of us here that had battles with these things. Maybe, maybe there's some of these things here that there's still a battle going on in your life with. Well, God's, God's direction to us all would be never, never give up and don't give into it, but keep seeking Him for the victory to overcome it. Never give in and never quit. Um, so it says these are, these are the fruits. These are the things of natural, per, of, of our natural selves. If we're left to our own devices, these things, all of these things will just come out of us. That'll be our life, but with the Spirit of God, if we walk in the Spirit, we're told here's here's the evidence of God's Spirit. It says in verse twenty two, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, and not just not just a natural love, but a godly love, a love and the care for people's soul, their salvation, their well being with their Creator, um, joy to be happy, to have peace. Long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith—sorry, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance—and against against such, there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another and envying one another. Um being desirous of other people and wanting to see ourselves promoted is um is a bad thing that can catch out a lot of uh, a lot of people I, I suppose even naturally in the world um you know i suppose social media creates an avenue for that for just wanting to for other people to see me and my life and what it is i do and and how good my life is even when under the surface it's not um sometimes and and even you know even in our assembly as we walk with the lord maybe we we look at others and what others are doing and we and and we think oh you know why aren't i more important than i am and you know none of us really we want to be important we want the lord to be important and all the people said we want god to be the one that that when people see us they they're not looking to lift us up but they're looking to go wow i want to seek the lord more because of that person's example not be more like us necessarily. Hopefully we can be a good example so that we have things worth emulating, but it's always God we want to lift up. You know, um, Paul, uh, the apostle has a lot recorded about his, um, his travels and him, him establishing churches and I guess the, uh, amazing life that he had. And, you know, as he was doing that, many of the letters, um that we read in the bible the the epistles or the letters um were writings back to uh, places he'd been and uh the work of God had begun people had been born again and a and a church began and um i want to just have a look back in the book of acts in in chapter 19 i think paul uh is considered he had sort of three main trips that he did three main journeys um but in Acts 19, we're dealing with a time when he had come to Ephesus. And there's a lot you read about um, Ephesus that sounds not a lot different in some ways to um, the world and maybe our society where we are now, where there was probably people there that really thought they had a connection spiritually, that they thought they had a, a form of uh, spirituality within but when Paul got there, he saw a lot of things that were missing, <laughs> um, and so you know, without reading through it all, we uh when he gets there, he he asks firstly a, a group of believers whether um, they claim they were believers, and he asked them, "Well, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed?" And we know that they said, "Well, we haven't actually heard whether there is any Holy Spirit." And he asked them, "Well, then." What were you baptized unto? And they said, well, unto John's baptism. And, um, eventually they went on to, uh, to pray and to receive the Holy Spirit and be baptized. They spoke in other tongues and they became sealed. And as it goes on in this chapter, um, there's all kinds of things present in Ephesus. There's, um, it talks about people having, um, curious arts, you know, all kinds of ideas and, Ideologies and you know practicing, I guess, whatever people were were doing, looking for meaning, looking for spirituality, and we read about them bringing them all together and them and them being destroyed. They had a a goddess called Diana at the time, who was um, I think it was pretty common that if you lived in Ephesus, that most people worshipped this goddess, and through Paul's preaching and saying, uh, look, this isn't where the truth is. Um, a lot of people started to get converted, were born again, and it caused an entire stir in the city. So much that uh, I think uh, Demetrius uh, got a few of the craftsmen who built idols for this for this Diana, and said, "Look, this is making such an impact. This message is people getting converted to God that um, we're worried it's going to affect our our trade." <laughs> and um, people were getting born again, and their lives were changing, and. In um, just down in verse 26, it caused an entire, almost like a bit of a revolt and a and a, and a stir. And um, we read in verse 26. So Paul's given a bit of an account for himself. Actually, back back in verse 25, he says, "And now behold, I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, um, shall see my face uh, no no more." He says, um, so he's about to depart from Ephesus. Actually, he's almost finished his time there. He says, um, actually, no, I'm looking at the wrong, the wrong spot, aren't I? I'm reading Acts 20. Sorry. Acts 19. Why didn't you tell me? <laughs> Acts 19. Right. Verse 26. That makes more sense. Right. So he says, moreover, you see and hear, and we will say in verse 25 again, whom you, he called together, with the workmen uh, of like occupation and said, Sirs, you know that by this craft we have our wealth. So these were these craftsmen uh, making uh, idols unto Diana. It says, Moreover you see and hear that not alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away much people, saying that they be no gods which are made with hands. How dare he say that? There's no power in these idols. And verse 27, so that not only this our craft is in danger to be set at nought, but also that the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worshippeth. And when they heard these sayings, they were all full of uh, wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And the whole city was filled with confusion and having caught Gaius and Aristocus uh, men of Macedonia, Paul's companions in travel, they rushed with one accord into the theater. And when Paul would have entered into the people, unto the people, the disciples suffered him not. So this was probably a pretty big scene. And certain of the chief of Asia, which were his friends, sent unto him, desiring him that he would not adventure himself into the theater. So they're trying to say, Paul, if you go in there, you're probably gonna, they're probably gonna pull you apart. And it says, some therefore cried one thing and some another. For the assembly was confused, and the more part knew not whether wherefore they were come together. This is a really interesting scripture, this one, because there's this mass crowd that have come apparently for this purpose of Paul causing an uproar because he's uh, upsetting the trade, and yet it says there's people here, some have come for one cause and some have come for another, and as it says, and the more the more part knew not wherefore they would come together. Some people didn't even know why they were there. They didn't even know what the cause was. They were just say like, here's a here's something to rally around, here's something to get involved in. Let's come and make a stir." And I suppose sometimes, even when it comes looking for the truth and for evidence of God, people will make a stand and they'll get caught up in a cause and and you know and they'll say things, and but they don't really know where or why. Or what they're actually coming and standing against. They've just, they just said, this is popular opinion. This is where the crowd is heading. And I'm just going to go with that. And in our, you know, maybe if we've got people listening who are, who are, who haven't yet experienced God within. Um, if we've spent our life opposing the Bible or opposing Jesus Christ or opposing the thought of God, have we really, stopped and thought about what we're really standing against against what cause and 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 why and you know not long uh, after after this time Paul um he has to leave Ephesus and he has to say uh, he has to say goodbye and he, and he and he says goodbye to um the elders and he instructs them on what to look for not really what to look for he he instructs them on what manner of person he's been to them and he's really giving them if he's really given them instruction in some ways to say if if you want if you want to represent god if you want people to be able to see god within you and within the work this the church that is established here in ephesus here's the things um that you need to be mindful of and i suppose even for us what what do What do we look for if if you know maybe you're still searching and you and you think what where is God? how can I be confident that he's within uh, a church or that he's within dwelling within people we We know it begins with being born again, but then it talks about walking in the spirit, and so just over we will go to the next chapter now acts chapter twenty uh verse eighteen and so this is sort of a farewell speech of Paul before he's about to set sail and and eventually end back up in uh, in Jerusalem. Um, he says, uh, so it says, and when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. So he says, you you know my testimony before you, and um, and he starts to list um, some attributes. He says, serving the Lord. With all um, humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying of uh, in weight of the Jews and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. And so he gives a a couple of qualities here that really says, look, um, my, I was humble. I, I never became lifted up and thought that I was More important than uh, than I ought to be, and he said, and he was the same in person as he was publicly. He didn't have one front for when he was up in front of people, and then another person he put on in private. And he said he was personal. He said I went from house to house. I, 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 you know, he knew he knew the people. He went, and it was personal. And he goes on and um, just go down maybe to. Verse, there's a lot here, and then he goes on in verse 28, and he says to them, or verse 27, he says, "For I have not shunned um, to declare the unto you all the counsel of God." So, in other words, as well, he never backed away from telling people uh, what really needed to be said. Even uh, you know, and we've got evidence of that in Paul's life that you know, even when he was in danger of his life, even when he was before great councils, or People who had authority to take his life there and then or to beat him or to do all manner of things to him that he still, he just spoke the truth and he didn't, uh, hold back because of popular opinion or uh, being scared to offend. And, you know, it takes the spirit of God to do that. In verse 28, he says, take heed therefore unto yourselves. He's saying to these leaders and to all the flock of, to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. To feed the church of God, which is purchased, uh, of his, with his own blood. And to feed, um, to feed a flock, to feed sheep or to feed, you know, as we're likened unto, it's got to be with good things. He, um, he made sure he fed people with good things. Good things that would be good for them spiritually. Because he went on to say, for I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. And you also of your own selves, even out of your own ranks, they'll come. It says, "Shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them?" Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not even uh, to warn everyone night and day with tears. And um, he goes on in verse thirty-five. He says, "I've showed you all." all things how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus how that he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. So it was a laying down of his life you know there was no particular um fame or glory with it that he he just labored to help uh people who were weak who were, who were struggling you know and again not you know maybe he didn't have a lot to give them uh, naturally but he certainly did to encourage them in the things of God and that's That's what, that's who he was. And verse 36, and when they had thus spoken, he kneeled down and he prayed with them all. He prayed with his people. And these are all very, very good attributes that if God's really working within a people, if God's working within the leaders, then these are, these are things that we, that we look for and things that we would, that we would see, you know, because um, I guess there's so many, um, in, in the world of religion and, and people are claiming to have a spirituality, there's a show on the front and then underneath there's just not much happening. There's people just left to it where people are, you know, in their troubles and, and maybe, um, their sickness, sicknesses and difficulties. And maybe there is some practical help given every now and then, but it goes so far. And then the problem is still there, but. But where the spirit of God is and where people are walking in spirit and truth, one, there's the able, the ability to minister the words of life, the things that actually help to be able to pray for one another, to be able to talk scripture that actually, um, you know, that is meaningful to the, to the problem and to the situation, not just some, you know, nice saying that you hope people would go away with, but, but Jesus Christ has got his, uh, His words of truth, you know, and that they, and that the connection with it is that we have the Holy Ghost within us. It's not just words. And I suppose, um, the other part of it is, is just that, um, as we walk in spirit and truth, it's tangible. It's, it's something real that a testimony becomes in our life that we're able to say, I, I prayed about this situation or somebody prayed, came and visited me and prayed for me and I was healed or I was encouraged or this um provision that I had or this need that I had God provided that in my life and it became a testimony just um just one or two things just actually one thing to finish because I've been almost out of time in um in the book of numbers just back to the book of numbers chapter 13 um it's 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 the time where the lord speaks under moses and he says to, um he says that of all the tribes of Israel that he needs to select, or well, they need to select uh, the lead men of those tribes and they need to go and look out the promised land. And for, for all of us, we are all heading to a land or a journey after this natural life finishes. And, uh, we hope it's the, it's the promised land that you think, I want to actually have my future and my life with the Creator, and that not just leaving it to a chance, not just leaving it to uh, I'll find out when I get there, but that you've got a hope of a land and a realm that God has promised to provide. And in this story, as they are asked to go and do the same thing, we know that when they go and it names all the leaders who go, um, Caleb being one of them, and most when they get there, they report of there being uh, problems. There's... There's big people there. There's a hard people to overcome. Um, and most of them came back, um, discouraged that it's, that it's just going to be too hard, that we're better off. And the people got upset and they, they sort of wailed and said, it would have been better off that we just stayed in our old life. It would have been better that we just stayed in captivity. And Caleb stood up and Joshua as well. And they said that no, that, They had a belief, they, they believed what God had promised that that would be their land, that whatever was the opposition of going into it was, that God would be bigger and that they needed to do it his way. And there's a real type in that, uh, for us. And, you know, and that, that's what good, um, God's people do is that they look at the, the opposition and they don't look at the problem, but they look at God's ability to, to get us through it and that is god's spirit within and Caleb's attitude um really sums it up in I didn't end up reading anything out of numbers 13 but just in the next chapter chapter 14 we hear a particular attitude of of Caleb it says it says in verse 24 this is this was Caleb um so this was Caleb's attitude and and god noticed it it says but my servant Caleb because he had another spirit within him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into that land wherein whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it, and that is the key for for us in our in a, in a relationship with God with God within that if we're going to claim that God's within us, we've got to follow the Lord fully, and if we do that, then God is able to take us into the land that's that's to come. And um we must be getting close to that land because when we look at our world and we look at the problems and the complexities and people drawing back into themselves because they don't see a way out, we know God is always offering a way out and and we just we just say to anyone today that if you've been searching and you haven't quite found what you're looking for, give your life to the to the Lord fully, you'll come within. You get born again of water of the Spirit. You speak in other tongues and you'll know what your future is. And everyone said, Amen.